0: good morning Orchard Church Good good to see everybody this morning is it okay I wore my Broncos jersey today is that okay I figured first Sunday home game, you guys are all gonna be wearing yours, so I want to fit in with the crowd. So, hey, take out your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter one. We're getting a brand new four-week series in the book of Ruth. As you're doing that, it is so awesome to be back at Orchard Church after being gone a couple of weeks. Uh, there was 22 of us that took a trip to Israel uh, from Orchard Church. Uh, myself, my wife, our Spanish pastor Marcial, and 19 others. Um, we've got a picture. This is our group overlooking uh, Jerusalem. You can see the Temple Mount. In the background it was an amazing incredible life-changing trip um, we're gonna definitely be having some more of these trips in the years to come if you ever get an opportunity to start saving your money now to go to Israel it is amazing just talk to some of the people that went um, we had one of the best tour guides that we've ever had her name was Pilar she's standing there between my wife and Carol on this side and uh, she is a Messianic Jew she knows the Bible forwards and backwards um, she shared the historical and the archaeological and and the Old Testament and New Testament But we were so impressed with her. Her name is Pilar. Uh, She speaks four languages. And we were so impressed with her that we are working on, be praying about this, bringing her to Denver to Orchard Church in the spring. We're going to try to bring Israel to you guys. Would that be cool? And do a couple of nights and talk about Israel and the Bible. And so it was an amazing trip. Thank you for all your prayers. We totally felt safe all the time. We got back safe. Um, It was an amazing trip. Well, I say we all got back safe. We almost lost our Spanish pastor. Pastor uh, Marcial. True story. We were uh, coming back into the United States uh, to JFK, to New York, and we had to go through immigration. And so, all of us that are U.S. citizens with our passports, we had to go through one line. And Marcial, of course, is a Mexican citizen, and so he has his Mexican passport. And so, he had to go through a different line. And then we get to our gate, and Marcial's not there. Marcial's not there. We're like, They've detained Marcial. What is going on? What are we going to do with our Spanish pastor? So he comes and he finally makes it to get on the plane. He tells us the story. And evidently, uh, there's a guy that's been in the United States that has almost the same identical name as Marcial, and he's been a troublemaker. And so the guy asked Marcial, he says, uh, have you spent any time in prison in the United States? And Miss Marcial misunderstood and thought he asked, have you spent any time living in the United States? And so he goes, oh, yeah, about two years. (laughs) And the guy says, excuse me? And he's like, you've been in prison? No, 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 no. He said, I've been living. And so they had to clear him and all that. But we brought him back safely Can we celebrate that. We we brought him back safely. (laughs) He's not spent any time in prison yet, okay, so... Praise God for that. So, um, hey, I do want to share this. Uh, I've got... Tons of stories I could share. We just don't have time, unfortunately, about our trip. But uh, when I go on trips, I'm not a big souvenir guy. I don't usually buy a bunch of souvenirs and stuff. But I, when I do find something, I want it to be very unique. And I actually brought this back from Israel. And y'all can see what this is, right? It's a, it's a, just a smooth rock. And you say, okay, and I didn't even have to buy this. I got it for free. What is this rock? One of the coolest sites we got to go to this time is we visited the Valley of Elam, where there's the brook. This is where the battle between David and Goliath Goliath took place, and David slew Goliath, and we got to go down into the brook, the same brook that David chose his five small stones from that killed Goliath. We got to pick five small stones out, and so this is from that same brook in the Valley of Elam where David killed Goliath, and I'm pretty sure I found these stones. Because there's a little bit of blood stain on this one and so i think this may have been the one that killed goliath but it was an incredible uh time but it is always great to be back appreciate uh kevin our family pastor filling in while i was gone and andy stanley filling in while i was gone but it is great to be back with you guys today you glad to be in church today awesome well today we kick off a brand new four-week series in the book of ruth it's called redeemer because god can turn anything around do you believe that say yes that no matter how bleak the situation looks like, how much despair we're in, or how dark the hour, our God can turn anything around when he steps in. We sang about that this morning, you know, that when he shows up, he doesn't have to show up, but many times he chooses to show up in a miraculous way in, in our life. And that's, that's what we're gonna see as we study these next four weeks in this beautiful story in the book of Ruth, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But as we get ready to get in the book of Ruth, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Ruth. First, let me ask you this question. Uh, Men and ladies alike, be honest, with a a show of hands. How many of you like chick flick movies? You like to watch chick flick, okay? That's most of the ladies, very few. How many of you do not like chick flicks? Guys can't stand chick flicks, okay? I'm kind of blessed in our home. Uh, The truth is, uh, don't tell anybody about this, but I actually like chick flicks. I have a sensitive side. And so I will watch chick flicks with my wife, and then I'm blessed because she loves sports. She loves football and baseball, so it's a nice uh, little trade-off. And and here's, here's the deal We're going to be studying the chick flick of the Bible the next four weeks The book of Ruth is the chick flick of the Bible But the good news guys, those of you that don't like chick flicks Here's the good news I've made an agreement with your wife The next four weeks, you don't have to rent chick flicks You don't have to go to any chick flicks You just got to come to church We got it covered All right, fair enough ladies We're covering it now Now let me say this Men, let me help you out You may not like to watch chick flicks but do you like what sometimes happens in the evening after the chick flick? If you know what I mean. Some of you evidently don't know what I mean. So if, <laughs> so as we go through the chick flick in the Bible, the book of Ruth, if you have a very nice Sunday evening, man, you can thank me. Okay, you're welcome. All right? Okay, I'm going to move on. All right, book of Ruth. L- this, this book has everything. The book of Ruth has everything. I mean, it is a story about fear. About worry, about love, about romance, marriage, disobedience, obedience, joy, redemption. I mean, this story has it all, the the book of Ruth. Let me ask you this how many of you, by show of hands, have ever needed a fresh start in your life? You need a fresh start, a second chance, a do over. If you're a golfer, a mulligan. If you like to play golf, you know what a mulligan is. And sometimes we just need a do-over. We need a second chance, you know, for in our marriage, with our finances, our job, our health, our relationships. We need God to step in and turn things around, and that's what we're going to see happen in the story of Ruth, where God steps in a miraculous way and turns things around. Because sometimes we get in situations in our life that they're so bleak and they're so difficult, we're like, if God doesn't step in and turn this around, this is not going well. This is not going to end well. As I was studying for this and thinking about this, I, I've never shared this story, I don't think, at Orchard Church. But when uh, we have two kids, Caleb and Caitlin, um, our daughter Caitlin turned 19 yesterday. Our son Caleb turns 21 next Saturday. Lord Jesus, come quickly. He's turning 21. And when Caleb, our first child, was born, he wasn't even a day old. And the pediatrician came in and he was examining him. And he said, well, he goes, I got some difficult news to share with you. And we were like, what? You know, first child, first baby. And he said, we, uh, we, I hear something like a heart murmur. And he goes, we want to run an echocardiogram. And So they brought in the machine. They did it. And he came back and he drew, I remember he got this piece of paper and he drew this on. And he said, well, he was born with VSD, ventricular septal defect. He has three holes in his heart. I mean, you can only imagine the devastation of hearing that news when you're, you know, your first child is born. He's not even 24 hours old, and they're telling you he has three holes in his heart. And they said, sometimes they'll close on their own, um, but if they don't, then we're going to have to do open-heart surgery on your new baby boy. And he said, you know, if he only had one, it probably would close, but he's got three, so it's unlikely that all three of them are going to close. You can imagine the devastation. And, man, we started praying, and our friends started praying, our family and churches all across America, friends of mine, uh, started praying, you know, that God would just do something miraculous and turn this around. And then he went, I mean, it was about two or three weeks later, he went for a checkup and to see where it was at, and the doctor was looking and looking. He goes, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I'm like, what? He said, there are no holes in his heart. God, he said, he didn't say God, but we knew who. He said, they're completely gone. He's completely healed. He's perfectly healthy. You don't have to do anything. God turned everything around. Yeah. We praise God for that. Now he's a college athlete playing baseball in college. And, but we need a God to turn things around in, in our life. And, and we have a God who can do that. We, we have a God that can turn things around. And this story, the book of Ruth, man, if you're going through trials and tribulations and troubles, it may be that God's about to step in and turn things around. This book begins with a funeral, I'll tell you today, but it ends with a wedding. This book begins with the death of a son, two sons, but it ends with the birth of a son. Uh, this book begins with a famine, but it ends in fullness. This, this book, this story begins in despair, but it ends in delight as God turns everything around. Because we believe here at Orchard Church that we have a God that can turn our trials into triumphs. We believe that we have a God who can turn our heartache into healing and our sorrow into celebration. Do you believe that, Orchard Church? And so no matter what you're going through, where you're at, you're gonna see that played out here in the story of Ruth. I hope you guys will take some notes On the back of your your newsletter, I want to begin by giving you the context of the book of Ruth. Because I say this all the time as we study the Bible here at Orchard. The three most important rules of Bible study are, help me out, context, context, context. What's the context of this story in Ruth? And there are three applications, I believe, to all Scripture. There's a historical context. There's a doctrinal context, the teaching. And then there's a practical context. Context. Let me give you first the doctor, or excuse me, the historical context of the book of Ruth. We don't know for sure who wrote this book. Many scholars believe Samuel, but we don't know for sure. We know it was written about 1,000 BC, thousand years before Christ. Yeah, this story happens right. Um, it, it comes in your Bible right after the book of Judges, but we believe the story took place somewhere in the middle of the book of Judges. Um, And this was a time in the nation of Israel where everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes and they weren't always following God. There was no king in Israel. And in the midst of all this turmoil, you have this amazing story of God's grace and mercy and redemption through this woman named Ruth and this family. Doctrinally, what we see in this story is a picture of God's redeeming grace uh, for a woman named uh, Ruth and even you know for her mother-in-law, Naomi. It's a picture of God's grace in our life because you're going to see a cursed Moabite woman named Ruth you know, find God and be redeemed. And we know that before we came to faith in Christ, we were cursed because of our sin until we gave our lives to Jesus Christ and we were saved by his grace and his mercy. Amen. And so there's a a picture of that in this story. It's a picture of our lives as well as we meet our kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And then practically, I think it's just a story how God can turn anything around when we trust him and when we follow him and we don't run from him. So today, as we go to Ruth chapter 1 and begin this story, um, I've, I've titled this message, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. You can run, but you can't hide from God. We open this story with a family that is facing a trial and a difficulty in their life, and instead of running to God, they try to run from God and take matters into their own hands. Now, we would never do that, right? When we face something difficult, we would never try to take matters into our hands. But that's what happens with this family. And we're going to learn from their bad experience. You know, people often say that experience is the best teacher. Have you heard that? I hate that statement. I don't think experience is the best teacher. I think someone else's experience is the best teacher. Amen? Let's not make the same mistakes that other people make, and we have that in this story. So today, we're gonna look at three mistakes that we need to avoid when dealing with the problems and trials of life. Don't make the mistakes that this family made when you face trials and troubles. So the first one is this. Number one, you have it in your notes. When you're facing troubles and trials in your life, don't try to run from your problems. Don't try to run from your problems because you can run, but you can't hide. Let's look at it. In Ruth chapter one, beginning of verse one, it says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe what? Famine. famine. There was a famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem, you ever heard of that city before? Same place where Jesus is born. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. And what's interesting is there's no bread because of the famine in the city that's known for the house of the bread. It says, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, Um, left his home, and he went to live in the country of what? Moab. Now, that's mistake number one, because Moab was the enemies of God. God said, don't have anything to do with the Moabites. But instead, he leaves God's people and God's land, and he moves with his family to Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. He's running, but he can't hide. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. And I've often told you guys, you know, if you're having a baby and you want an original name, you know, you really don't need to go buy the books. There's a lot of original names in the Bible you can choose. I would not suggest these two names, Malon or Kilion. Because let me tell you what these boys name. They mean sick and weakly. That's what their names mean. Melon and Kilion means sick and weakly. I mean, can you imagine? You know, he's got these, these young boys and they, they go to Moab. They're introducing them to the younger ladies. Hey, I'd like you to meet my son, sick and weakly. Any takers? But I think these names are prophetic when we see in this chapter what happens to Malon and Kileon, which means sick and weakly. And it says here, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Now here comes the further trials. They, they've had these trials in Bethlehem. They run to Moab. What's going to happen? Was this a good decision or a bad decision? Well, look at verse 3. Then Elimelech, what? He died. The father that took his family to Moab to escape the famine, he dies, and Naomi was left with her two sons. Well, at least she's still got her two sons. What happens to them? The two sons married Moabite women. Now, those of you that know the Bible, is that okay with God? For the people of God to marry people in a heathen land? No. Mistake number two, they marry Moabite women. Now, it goes on, it says, one married a woman named Orpah, not to be confused with Oprah, and the other woman, and the other married a woman named Ruth. Everybody say Ruth. Ruth. Okay, that's our main character in this story. But about ten years later, both Malon and Killion died. So the dad's dead, the two sons are dead, and this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. You can run, but you cannot hide. Have you, have you ever seen that when you try to run from your problems, your problems tend to follow you? They tend to go with you. I, I was reminded of a story of a, a mother who had several young children. She lived in Maryland, and her kids were outside in the backyard, and they were playing, and they were laughing and giggling and having fun, and then all of a sudden it got quiet. She didn't hear anything. Parents, you know when it gets quiet, that's when you get nervous, right? What are they doing? What's going on? So she goes and she looks in the backyard and her four or five children were huddled around something on the ground and and they had circled around and they were looking at something and they're very quiet. And so she goes to the kids and she peers in to what's in the middle of the circle and there was four baby skunks in the middle of her children that they were playing with and looking at and she didn't know what else to do and she just said, quick children, Run! Each child picked up a baby skunk and ran. (laughs) Often when you try to run from your problems, your problems go with you. And that's exactly what's happening here in the story of Ruth. Elimelech is trying to run from his trials and his problems, but they follow him and it gets worse. You see, when trials come into our life, we can do one of three things. We could try to endure them, we could try to escape them, or we can embrace them. When trials and tribulations and trouble comes in our life, and we try to just endure them and grunt and get through it, sometimes it makes us very bitter and angry with other people and with God. We'll see that in this story. For other people, when we go through trials, they try to escape trials and run from them like a limeleck, and they miss what God is trying to do in their life. What God wants us to do is when trials come in our life as believers in Jesus Christ, that we embrace them, because we know the trying of our faith, the Bible says, works patience. It makes us stronger. It builds our faith. It gives God an opportunity to show up in a miraculous way and turn things around. You see, God wants to take the trials of our life to make us but not break us. Do you believe that? He wants to, to use those trials to make us, not break us. And what we see in our life as obstacles, God sees as opportunities to step in and do something miraculous. Elimelech made a really poor, bad decision to escape and run from his trials and take matters into his own hands and he could run but he could not hide from the consequences of his decision you have it in your notes this way write this down we make our choices and then our choices make us isn't that true you know we make our choices we have free will to, to, to choose which direction we want to go we make our choices but then our choices make us now some of you may be thinking well what's wrong with elimelech You know, trying to provide food for his family. I mean, isn't he trying to provide? What's wrong with him going from Bethlehem and taking the 50-mile journey to, to Moab? I mean, come on, Pastor Doug. Give the guy a break. He's just trying to love and provide for his family, except for the fact that God in his word clearly told the people of God in his land, in Judah, don't have anything to do with the Moabite people. They're the enemies of God. They served a false god, Chemosh, that believed in sacrificing your first child to a false god. And no matter how bad things get in God's land, don't run to the heathen land and the heathen gods and the heathen people. It's interesting that the man Elimelech, the father in this story, his name means my God is king. But he didn't live up to his name. Instead of trusting in God as his king, he became his own king of his life and he made a decision to do something different than what God had told him to do, which was not to go to Moab. And if that was bad enough, the two sons, Malon and Kilion, marry Moabite women. That was mistake number two because God clearly said that the people of God, the children of Israel, were not to intermarry with the heathen people in the heathen lands and the Moabites that served false gods. It wasn't because, you know, it's not like God didn't want him to marry the Moabite women because they you know were ugly or couldn't cook. I thought that was funny. (laughs) It wasn't that. It was, no, they serve false gods. I don't want you to marry them. And so they made this choice and they made this mistake. And, you know, the heart of the problem in this story is the same as our stories. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. That instead of running to God and trusting God, they were running from God and they made matters worse. And sometimes this happens in our life, doesn't it? We go through a trial, we go through a tribulation, we go through a problem in our marriage or with our kids or with our finances or with our health or our job and instead of running to God and trusting God and waiting on God, we run from God. We get out of the word, we stop praying, we stop going to church, we stop going to small group, we stop being discipled, we stop serving, we stop tithing and we get out from under of the blessings of God. You know, unfortunately, I I saw this happen in my own life firsthand growing up. I I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents took me to church every Sunday. And my dad, um, you know, served God and served in our church, and he was very faithful. And then, about 52 years of age, my dad got laid off from his job. And and he was trying to find another job, and he was having a hard time finding a job. And and I watched, he stopped praying, he stopped reading the Bible, he stopped going to church, he stopped tithing. He stopped doing all the things he had done all his life, and instead of trusting God and waiting on God, he got bitter towards God, and he ran from God. And it was really sad about the last 12, 15 years of his life. He just was kind of running from God and missing out on God's blessings and struggling, just like a -a It was sad to watch that. You know what's ironic in the story? is that Elimelech fled Israel to escape a famine. And he trades one famine for three funerals, his and his two sons. We can run, but we cannot hide. Avoid the mistake when you go through problems in your life. Don't run from your problems. Second thing that we learn from this story is this. Don't try to hide your mistakes. When you make a mistake, don't try to hide your mistakes. We have... You know, the the father and the two sons have died, and now you have Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, and they're all widows. Now, they've got some decisions to make. So what do they do? How do they respond to being widows? Verse 6 says, then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord has blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. God's now blessing God's people in God's land back in Bethlehem, but they're only hearing about it. Isn't it sad that a lot of people only hear about the blessings of God? But they don't ever experience them for themselves because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time that's what's going on with naomi and ruth and orpah and so naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave moab to return to her homeland with her two daughters-in-law she set out from the place where she had been living in moab and they took the road that would lead them back to judah but she she's gonna make a mistake here see naomi is missing the blessing Uh, that's going on in Bethlehem. The famine is over, and she's missing the blessing because she's not blessable. You know, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I blessable? I believe with all my heart, on the authority of God's word, that our Heavenly Father wants to bless His children. Do you believe that, church? He wants to bless us, but we have to be blessable. And we often pray things like, you know, Lord, bless me, bless my family, bless my finances, bless my health, when what we need to be praying is God, make me blessable. Make sure that I'm staying in a place of blessing where you want me to be and I'm not running outside of your place of blessing. Let let me illustrate it this way. I brought an umbrella today, not because I think it's going to rain, but let's say that this umbrella represents the blessing of God. As long as I'm under the umbrella, I'm under God's blessing in my life. And the storms and the rain that comes, I'm okay and I'm protected because I'm under God's blessing. But the moment I choose to step outside of God's blessings... I'm going to face some trials and tribulations. I'm going to get wet. And what's sad is a lot of people, they're under God's blessings and then trials come and they step outside of God's blessings and they wonder why they're getting wet. They wonder why they're struggling. They wonder why there's trials because they have moved. Listen, God doesn't move. We move. Amen? And and we got to make sure we're under the blessings of God if we want God to bless us. The problem with Naomi was they had moved to Moab. They were outside of the blessings of God. They had moved away from that. And now it was time to get back under the blessings of God. And what's interesting in this story, you see it as you read it, that Naomi is returning to the land, but she's not really turning, returning to her Lord. Because as we're going to see, there's no sign of repentance. There's no sign of remorse. There's, there's no sign of admitting the mistakes she's made or her family's made. She's, she's interested in going to back to Bethlehem because there's food, but is she really looking for fellowship? Watch what happens in verse eight in the story the mistake that she makes trying to hide her mistake it was about a 50-mile journey from Moab back to Bethlehem they would have had to do this probably on foot and it would have taken several days and somewhere as they get close to Bethlehem she starts thinking About going back home and watch what happens. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept because they thought they were saying goodbye. No, they said, We want to go with you to your people. We want to go with you to Bethlehem, even though they were from Moab. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. These things are far more, what? Bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his hand Against me, Are you starting to hear the bitterness and who she's blaming? And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So Orpah says, okay, I'm going to go back to Moab. I'm going to go back to the heathen land and my false gods. But Ruth, everybody say, but Ruth. Ruth. This is about to set the stage for the turnaround. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her what? gods her false gods now what's Naomi going to say here's what she says you should do what the same what why would you tell Ruth and Naomi to go back to the heathen land and to false gods that sacrifice their children to idols they're wanting to go to God's land and God's people why would you send them back because she's trying to hide her family's mistakes You can only imagine as she comes back into Bethlehem, no husband, no sons, two cursed Moabite women that they were supposed to have nothing to do with. Everybody would have seen it. Everybody would have recognized it and known they messed up. But instead of Naomi admitting that, she's trying to hide her mistake by sending them back. And it's like the great theologian, Dr. Phil, says, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And she's not, we see no evidence that she's acknowledging the mistakes that her family has made. She's trying to cover them up. It reminds me of of a verse in Proverbs 28, uh, verse 13. It says this, people who conceal their sins will not, what church? They'll not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive what? Mercy, mercy. Naomi, instead of confessing and admitting, she's trying to cover. But in the midst of this, Ruth applies the second half of Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. She is going to confess and turn from her ways, and she's gonna find mercy. Ruth is the bright light in the midst of the darkness of this story. She makes a great decision right here, a life-changing decision that sets the stage for the turnaround in this whole story. Because watch what happens in verse 16. Watch what Ruth says. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. And let's say this together because this is one of the most famous passages or scriptures in this story. A lot of people you know, cross-stitch this on a pillow and put this on a plaque on the wall because Ruth says these beautiful words to Naomi. Let's say them together. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I'm not going back to the heathen land and the heathen gods. I want something different. I'm not gonna cover my mistakes. I'm not gonna run from God, I'm gonna run to God. She goes on and says, wherever you die, Naomi, I'll die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said, nothing more. So Ruth refuses to listen to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now that's no big surprise, right? That a daughter in law is not listening to her mother-in-law? But it's a good thing she didn't. She made the right decision. She made the right choice. Ruth is facing trials and tribulations and troubles of her own. She's a widow now. Her husband has died. But she decides, instead of running from God, to run to God. I I think that she was tired of the emptiness of false gods in a heathen land that had left her empty. And she's like, I want to go to God's land and God's people and the true God. I want to be under the umbrella, if you will, of his blessings. And this may speak to some of you this morning. Because maybe some of you, even though you're in church today, and we're so glad that you're here, and whatever brought you here, you're not here by coincidence or accident. But maybe some of you, this is speaking to you because you're tired of running from God. You're tired of the emptiness of life without God and trying to take matters into your own hands. And I hope you'll make a decision like Ruth did, not to run from God, but to run to God. Now, let me, let me say this, because some of you, you're, you're hearing this story, and we know that God said, you know, not to have anything to do with the Moabites, and they were cursed people. How could a cursed Moabite woman named Ruth find favor with the God of Israel? Because the law said she couldn't. It's the same way that we, as cursed people under the curse of our sin, have found favor with God by putting our faith and trust in Him, by throwing ourselves on His grace and His mercy. Amen? Amen? She humbled herself and said, I'm going to submit myself to the God of Israel and under His blessings. And as we're going to see this story unfold, she is going to be redeemed, and she is going to be saved, and she is going to experience the mercy and grace of God. But let's not make the mistake Naomi made, trying to run from our problems. Let's not make the mistake that Elimelech and Naomi made trying to hide your mistakes and then here's the third thing we need to learn from this this story the third mistake that we need to not make don't blame God for your consequences don't blame God for your decisions and your consequences when they come Look what happens in verse 19, how Naomi responds to everything that's going on in her life. So the two of them, Ruth and Naomi, continued on their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, they came, the entire town was excited by their arrival. And they said, is it really Naomi? The woman asked. And she says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. The word Naomi, her name meant pleasantness. That's what it meant. But she said, don't call me Naomi, pleasant anymore. Instead, call me what? Mara. For the Almighty... Has made life very bitter for me. Who's she blaming? She's blaming God. I went away from here full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? She's blaming God for the consequences of her husband's decision, of her son's decision, and of her decisions. It's sad that Naomi is bitter when at this point she should have been broken. She should have been humbled before her God. You know, I say it often, trials and troubles in our life will either make us better or they'll make us bitter. Unfortunately for Naomi, the trials of life have made her bitter and she's blaming God. The good news is for Ruth, they're going to make her better. You see, we, we can't control the circumstances of life, but we can control how we respond to them. Amen? Amen. And Naomi blames God. And unfortunately, in in 25-plus in years of full-time ministry, I've seen this happen over and over again in people's lives where they make choices and they make decisions that are in opposition to God's will and God's plan for their life and God's word says. And then when the difficult times come and the consequences come, they get mad at God and they blame God. I remember this one... Uh, younger lady in our church not in this church but in another church several years many years ago she um contracted a sexually transmitted disease that she was gonna have to live with the rest of her life and she was always saying i don't understand why this has happened to me i don't understand why god's allowed this to happen to me but before she got married she was very promiscuous and she slept with a lot of guys i mean she made that choice but then she was like why has god done this to me why has god allowed this to happen I've counseled with people, you know, that are struggling financially and they can't make ends meet. And They say, God, why are we always struggling financially? And they're up to their eyeballs in debt. The average person is like in about $10,000 to $15,000 credit card debt alone in this country. And people make all kinds of bad financial decisions and they don't act their wage, and they don't live within their means. And then they wonder why they never have any money in any finances and they sometimes go, God, why have you done this to me? He didn't go tell us to take the credit card out and charge everything up. I've seen people make a move, like Elimelech and his family, to move away from a place of blessing in one city, to move to another city or another state, and they never consulted God about it. They just thought it was a good idea, and then all kinds of difficult things started happening, and maybe it was because they never asked God if this is what God wanted them to do in the first place. I've seen people, you know, putting God first in the area of their their giving and tithing, and then they stop, and then all kinds of bad things start happening, and they go, God, why is all this happening? When God said, you know, if you put me first, I'll bless you. If you don't, things might not go as well. I've seen families, you know, that are wishy-washy about church, being in church and having their kids in children's ministry or their, their students in student ministry, and then their kids get a little bit older, and they don't want to have anything to do with church, and they don't want to have anything to do with God, and they're making bad decisions and picking bad friends, and parents are like, God, why have you allowed this to happen? And we have to sometimes go, well, as mom and dad, as parents, what kind of example did we set for them? We can't blame God for the consequences of our bad decisions. Bring a little levity to this. There's a little meme we came across. A little baby says, God, why is this happening to me? Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> Anybody identify? I can identify with that. Let's not make the mistake of blaming God for our consequences. Now, as we begin to wrap this up this morning, here's the good news. We have a gracious God. We have a merciful god even when we make some pretty stupid decisions and god in his grace and mercy is about to turn everything around not only for ruth but for naomi who probably didn't deserve it humanly speaking and as we end this you know with three widows and the death of a father and two sons and we end this in a dark hour and in despair that's when God sometimes is setting the stage to show up and turn everything around in our life. Whenever the hour seems the darkest and we're going through trials, it may be that God has just set the stage to show up. We're gonna see that next week in the story of Ruth. One of the, and God gives us a glimpse of this and hints at this because look at the last verse, verse 22. God kind of paints us a picture. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem when in late, Spring at the beginning of the barley harvest Spring has always been recognized as a time of new life Of a new beginning and a fresh start That's exactly what Ruth and Naomi are going to experience And what they didn't realize That when the hour seemed the darkest Is God had just been setting the stage And working behind the scenes all the time This is why I say this all the time And I think you put it in your notes today You need to trust God even when you cannot trace God believing and trusting that God is working behind the scenes and he may be about to turn everything around. You know, I was reminded of this here in orchard church just before uh, we left for our trip to israel on friday we had um, one of our meetings with the city I, I told you guys we have a very crucial meeting with the city as we're trying to get to our building permit uh, to build our new building right next door and we want to break ground just as soon as possible and we're ready to go and everything's in place but we got to get our building permit from the city and there were three or four items that were holding us up and so we had a meeting with the city on that Thursday, and it didn't go as well as we'd liked. Um, they, didn't, they couldn't give us any answers that day, and they said, we're going to have to have some more meetings. And these three or four things, they weren't deal breakers. We're still going to build a building. But if they wouldn't give on some of these things a little bit, it was going to cost us more money and take a lot more time uh, to break ground. And we were, we were like, ah, oh, this is not good. And I, to be honest, we were pretty discouraged. And I shared this on a Facebook Live update. I said, you guys, keep praying, keep praying. And while we were in Israel, they said, we're gonna meet and we'll discuss these things and we'll let you know our decision. And we thought, well, they might give on one or two of these, but they'd have to give on all four of these for us to be able to continue to move forward and get our building permit quicker and sooner rather than later. And when I got back from Israel and all of you guys have been praying, we got an email from the city. And would you believe this? God turned everything around and they conceded on all of the items. Can we praise God for that? And when the hour seemed the darkest, that's when God said, let me show you what I can do. And so just keep praying. We've got a few little things to work out, but it looks like we're back on track. But God can turn anything around. He can do it for our church. He can do it in your life. We're certainly going to see him do it in the life of Ruth and even Naomi. You see, Naomi could run, but she couldn't hide from God. Not only just from the consequences, but she couldn't hide from God that loved her and wanted to show his grace and mercy to her. And we're going to see that as we move forward in this story. And here's the good news. With our God, it's never too late to start over again. Amen? It's never too late to trust God for a fresh start and a new beginning when we make a choice to run to God and not from God. And that sets the stage for what's going to happen in chapter 2 next week. Father, we thank you for this amazing story that reminds us and gives us hope that when things seem the most difficult in the, the darkest hour of trials and tribulations and trouble, you may be setting the stage for a miraculous turnaround. Help us to learn to not make the mistakes that Elimelech and Naomi and this family made. Help us not to run from you, but to you. Help us to remember the words that your son said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. So we continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe some of you, you really needed to hear this today. I don't know where you're at in your life and what's going on, but maybe God is speaking to you in a very real and relevant way personally. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've been trying to hide some of your mistakes. You've stepped outside of God's blessings, and it's time to get back in a place of blessing. Maybe you've even, if you're honest, you've been blaming God for some of the difficulties and trials in your life, that if you're honest, you'd say, I've maybe brought some of these on myself because I've made some bad decisions that God didn't intend me to make. And I hope today you'll make a decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to run from God any longer. I'm going to run to Him. I'm going to run to Him. And for some of you, you may be facing trials and tribulations in your life right now. And and one of two things is going to happen. They'll make you better or they'll make you bitter. And it's all based upon what you decide to do with God. Whether you run from Him or run to him so how many of you you say God has spoken to me in some way very practically today and I want to make sure I don't run from God I run to him would you slip up your hand for prayer and I can pray for you today you're going through a trial tribulation God bless you hands everywhere amen God bless you let me pray for you Father I just pray that we would all make a decision to not run from you but run to you that we learn to trust you even when we cannot trace you to realize that you may be setting the stage for a miraculous turnaround in our life Pray that we would learn from the mistakes and avoid them of Elimelech, that we would not try to run from our problems. We'd not try to hide our mistakes and that we would, Lord, just run to you and not from you and that we would not blame you for the consequences of decisions that we've made that were not pleasing to you. May we not get bitter, but may we get better as we humbly Recognize the decisions we've made, throw ourselves humbly on your grace and your mercy, and experience that in our life. So, continue in an attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here today, and if you're honest, you'd say, You know, I can kind of identify with Ruth in not wanting to go back to Moab. And some of you, God's speaking to you today to say, I don't want you to leave this building today and go back to life just the same way that you've been doing life, where you have tried to do life on your own and without God, and it's left you empty and unfulfilled. And maybe you need to, to make a decision today to invite Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and your Savior, to give you a fresh start and a new beginning today, to experience His grace and mercy in your life. That's what He offers you today. You can leave here today different as you invite Him into your life. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can invite Jesus into your life today. It's not a magic prayer, magic words, but if you put faith behind it and you really mean it, you can invite Jesus into your life today. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? You know who you are. It goes like this. Jesus, I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. I need you. I want you in my life. I'm humbly submitting to you today. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I am running to you today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. So we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. And then we look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd never want to do that. But I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time and you meant it, can I, can I pray for you today? Would you just slip up your hand right now? You say, yes, I prayed that prayer. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. God bless you over here. Thank you. Anyone else? Just, just put your hand up and down so I can say, God bless you. Thank you. Yes, I prayed that prayer. I invited Jesus into my life today several people let me pray for you father thank you for those today that are putting their faith and trust in you may their lives never be the same may they never run from you another day of their life may none of us do that may we run to you and not from you Uh, thank you for the decision we welcome them as brothers and sisters into the family of God today and we pray their lives will never be the same Lord and we thank you for this beautiful story of Ruth and the turnaround you're going to do in her life and we thank you in advance for the turnaround you're going to do in many lives as we submit ourselves humbly and obediently to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? (laughs) Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ, you raised your hand and you said you you did that and you meant that, would you just please let us know about that on your connection card and drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you. We'll send you a book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy. It'll help you on your new journey uh, with Jesus Christ. If you're a first time guest today, thanks so much for being our guest at Orchard Church. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket. We'll receive our gifts in just a moment. We are not interested in your money today, first time guest, but we're definitely interested in you. And we'll send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail uh, for being our first time guest. If you are a guest today for the first time or you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't had the privilege to meet you personally, I would love to do so. Uh, come by and introduce yourself. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent. And so uh, a lot of you have asked uh, how my broken collarbone, I had surgery on Monday before we left uh, Friday to Israel, is doing. I know a lot of you prayed for me and thank you. It's working. I got home, I was supposed to be in the sling for four weeks and the doctor said that I was doing so well that I could, as long as I'm careful and I don't ride in more bikes anytime soon. I don't have to wear the sling. So, but just uh, no pats on the left shoulder. Yeah, I can hug from the right side. But thank you for your prayers. It's definitely working. I, I'm doing much better. So hope you guys enjoyed the first week of Ruth. Um, this sets the stage for a major turnaround next week. It gets really good from here, so you don't want to miss that. As next week we talk about being surprised by love and uh, see what God is going to do in, in the life of Ruth and even Naomi. So plan on coming back next week and bringing somebody with you as we continue to study this incredible Uh, Story. Right now, we are going to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings because we want to be a church who gives first, uh, saves second, learns to live on the rest. That's how you act your wage. And also, we're going to check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. Uh, So don't go anywhere. Love you guys.
1: Hi, I'm Mike. Here's what's happening at Orchard Church. At Orchard, we know that small groups are the best way to get connected with new people, relate to one another, and serve our community. We want you to join a small group. Small groups meet weekly in homes all over the Metro Denver area, including Brighton, Reunion, Commerce City, Henderson, and more. To find a group near you, just go to orchardgroups.com, select a city, night of the week, and find a group that works for you. If you have any questions about a particular small group, you can email the host directly by clicking the questions button on their page. To sign up for a group, just click sign up for this group. Fill out the form and that's all it takes. If you need help signing up or have any questions, just visit the small groups table in the lobby as you leave today. Small groups begin next week. Don't wait. Join a small group today as they will fill up fast. If you've recently received Christ or have not yet followed the Lord in believers' baptism and you'd like to do so, please sign up on the connection card today. You'll be contacted to go over the details and answer any questions you may have. Our next baptism will be next Sunday, September 25th, following the third service at our ministry center. Also, if you have a child who'd like to be baptized, we offer a kids' baptism class on the third Sunday of every month. You can sign them up for the next class at orchardchurch.tv. We're always excited to see people join our Orchard family. Here's the latest new members who went through our membership class. Church, let's welcome our new members. Attention men, we're excited to announce our next Man Up Men's Retreat. It will take place at Deer Valley Ranch on November 10th through 12th. The cost is $160 and you can sign up today. There'll be hiking, fishing, a shooting range, poker tournament, and much more. You can sign up online at orchardchurch.tv or by visiting the men's ministry table in the lobby as you leave today. Make sure to mark your calendars and don't miss this year's men's retreat. What an exciting time in the life of Orchard Church! A special groundbreaking ceremony will be held next Sunday evening, September 25th at 6 p.m. right here at Prairie View High School. We'll meet in the auditorium first and then continue outside with a prayer walk around the property, the groundbreaking, and close out the night with worship as we celebrate all the Lord has done. This is an event for the whole family, so bring your children with you as we continue building a legacy together. This is the end of our service today. Thanks so much for worshiping with us. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.